Welcome to Dragon, Dragon Talk. Talk. I sorry, I just got so excited. We're back. <laughs> I can't believe we're back. It's been so long. It's been a long hiatus. Glad to be was here. Was it like a week? It was like a week or of two. not listening to us it, in your ear holes. It feels like a long time. It does feel like a long time. Uh, I'm Greg Tito. I'm joined by Shelley Mazanoble. Yep. And we are here uh, recovering from the stream of many eyes. Some of us are. Oh. Well, I mean, you're kind of still half recovering. I'm recovering from having to watch my child all by myself. That is a long time. I'm Wednesday so sorry. Wednesday to Monday. We, Aaron and I, uh, had uh, Aaron's sister come up and yes. take care of that. So that was like what that you should have done. That was real nice. Everyone said that Shelly should have been there. I agree. Yeah. I mean, Except if you Bart. had to do it over again, <laughs> exactly, and you had to choose one of us, who would you choose? Um, I'm going to go with Quinn. Yeah. Yeah, he would have been... Uh, we just need, like, a little guy dressed up as a goblin and, like, punching oh, everyone. Oh, yeah, but that's it. That's yeah, his character. That would have been perfect. Quinn the Nut Puncher. I think uh, Danny Hartel would have been made a wonderful costume for him. It oh would have been fantastic. God. One day, I'm going to save up all my monies and have her... I'm going to commission a costume Ooh, for her. Ooh, that's a great idea. Yes. She's she's booked. She's booked hard. So we... Uh, Stream of Many Eyes, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Uh, there are the archives of all of the content... Uh, on there, including Adventures by Forrest Gray. Dice Camera Action did two episodes, uh, one of which Danny Hartel guested on. Uh, cool. And uh, the other one had a guest by the name of Travis McElroy from The Adventure Zone. That's awesome. Uh, on day two, on June 2nd, we basically had an entire continuous narrative for over f- seven sessions of Dungeons and Dragons being played. I can't even understand. Three of understand. which were live action versions of oh, Dungeons yeah. & Dragons so that Ivan Van Norman were Dungeon Mastering. about that. Yeah. So how was that? It was good. It was really good. It, w- it, it, it was a risk. It was definitely something that we tried. Uh, Ivan Van Norman did this fantastically uh, in, uh, in Geek and Sundry uh, called the Sagas of Sundry, and we'll have him on as a guest uh, for Dragon Talk soon to kind of yes. talk through the whole process. Um, but uh, it was different. It was live. It was not to tape, so... There was, you know, uh, I think the first session was kind of like uh, getting everybody on their feet felt a little awkward. But the second and third sessions just, like, sung. They were amazing. They really? really? They worked fantastic. Yeah. All so right. all the characters, like Rosie B. Stinger, Kate Welch is Rosie B. Stinger, got arrested. <gasps> so she got, like, had to take give her staff to uh, Dave Walters, who was playing uh, a, a monk. Uh, and uh, so and led away in fetters this old woman who was dressed oh, up no. as Rosie B. Stinger and like went up with the guard. The guards did fantastic. And then they had to um, solve puzzles using actual real live props during the third one. So they and were actually like acting this out. Yeah. They were not sitting at a table. They were not sitting at a table. They were like yeah. walking around and interacting with NPCs. And, and interacting with NPCs. And uh, Ivan Van Norman as the dungeon master was always there kind of directing and making sure the cameras were showing what we wanted to show. They were solving puzzles in real time on the the set using cues. I feel like that would be really stressful for a player. And they did it all with this, like, courage and positivity that uh, I have to thank them a thousand percent. So this cast was Satine Phoenix, uh, Mark Humes, uh, B. Dave Walters, and Kate Welch. Throughout the whole day? Throughout the – they did three sessions over the course of that day. Wow. Yeah. And what they did in, in one session led to what happened in the next session and what happened in the next sessions. Uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, it was all around uh, the introduction of the new storyline, uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Taking place in the city of Waterdeep. It's a uh, no uh, new adventure coming out uh, in September. Um, five levels. Uh, levels zero, I'm sorry, yeah, zero through five, essentially. Um, and, uh, yeah, they got to do it on the streets of Waterdeep itself. 
using uh, these, some of these coins that we had made that are uh, accurate to what the Waterdeep coinage looks like. It looks like straight out of Lords of Waterdeep. Exactly. The big half moon coins. We made a few of those that are very heavy. Yes. Yeah, they're about, you know, five to ten pounds of metal. Take that out of your pocket before your Weight Watcher weigh in. Yeah. So the whole idea was to try to make, you know, Dungeons and Dragons come to life uh, in a heightened way. What you did, that set was amazing. I know. The cosplayers were fantastic. Oh my god! We had like so fifty good. to seventy cosplayers come in, and they looked amazing. But even like all of the partners, yeah, came, like they were all dressed. They were in all costume. in costume. They yeah. looked so good. I it took me a long time to realize that Trent that was Trent. Yeah, that was dressed. He as Minsk. transformed himself to look like Minsk. He, I'm mean, like, uh, why is, is this the first time he's done this? Because I feel like it is. that's just him. Like, yeah. I can't even picture him with hair now. I know, right? He just has a purple, you know, mark on his face with the uh, boo on his shoulder. Did you know he was going to – did you tell – did someone say, we need a Minsk, you're, you're it? Or did he just say – No, we told him he had to be in costume. We strongly encouraged uh, them to come in costume. And I think it was literally like a week before that he's like, all right, I'm going to be Minsk. And then he, he had that made and it looked it was amazing. so good. And I loved seeing the pictures of, like, Elminster and Minsk and – uh, Mert. Yeah, Chris together. Lindsay playing Mert the moneylender. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah, it went uh, swimmingly. I Were you in costume? I was not. I was in my producer costume the whole time, oh. walking around, making sure. Your cool members-only jacket that you were wearing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my producer-seducer shirt uh, is what I should have been wearing. That was, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a really fun event, uh, and more than what you saw on the live streams, uh, uh, there was just this overwhelming positivity about Dungeons and Dragons, about yeah. what we put together, uh, about this even this specific storyline of the Waterdeep Dragon Heist of of oh we get to go embody an, uh, an urban adventure and use de- you yeah, know deception cool. and diplomacy and stealth and puzzle solving and you know all kinds of facets of D and D role playing. Um, that we don't always get to, to to see in the more swashbuckling kind of adventures. So I'm really excited about all that. And I love seeing the different groups interact and play together, but also just seeing because I followed everything on Twitter because, you know, couldn't be there. You were like the audience. So you were I was like, the audience, and I'm like, oh, look. Like, look at all of these wonderful people meeting each other, sometimes for the first time, sometimes yeah. They were there at, at the stream last year, and it is like D and D summer camp. It was really cute. I felt like it. I felt like I it was for sure. A little my FOMO. I had some FOMO. You were FOMOing I all the time. All over. <clears throat> Next time you got to come, dude. Make it happen. Tell all, I mean, everyone was you need Bart to tell. Really that useful? Not really. I mean, could no. you do it without him? I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Especially if you and I do some live dragon talks. Oh, in the sorry, meantime. Bart. Yeah. Well, maybe Quinn goes. When he gets older, he'll be a, a, an honorary co-host. He can just, we'll just give him an iPad. <laughs> Watch some YouTube videos. He'll be in, in like Quinn. Some blind bags. Yeah, he'll be fun. Yeah. It was good times. Uh, so uh, if you haven't watched uh, all of the archives that you can, see if you can follow along the storyline. Uh, we'll be doing more and more. Hints and uh, previews of the Waterdeep Dragon Heist storyline uh, over the course of the summer over all these streaming groups. Can't wait. Perhaps the Stone of Galore Perhaps will be we'll involved. Perhaps we'll start playing again. And we'll start playing again for sure. Yeah. We want to recruit you uh, into a game. Me? Very soon. Yeah. Me? Yeah, on a live stream. People will have to see you. Is that okay? No. Hear you? No. <laughs> 
My right, character well, never is wears a hood and she doesn't speak. Ooh, I like this. A mute, yes. a mute character. So, all right, I think we can make this work. I'll break you out of your shell. She's a tabaxi in a hood. She's a all right, yeah. She's like a black cat. You like never see her because she's always. <laughs> Walking through dark alleys yeah. uh, in Waterdeep. Ooh, I like her already. I know. All right. I, this is a character concept we're going to go with. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. Okay. Plus, we also introduced Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Do you know about that? Yes. Waterdeep, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, another storyline uh, adventure coming out in November in which you delve under the city of Waterdeep into the dungeon where Halister uh, ab- abodes. Abides? Yeah. He abides. He abides. He abides. He abides, but he's got big fingers, yeah. too. And so we'll be having a lot more information on that come out as well, but it is fantastic what I've heard from the team of putting together that dungeon. And plus, there's going to be lots of fun ways that you can design your own parts of the dungeon, like the main parts of each one of those uh, floors, and they get you know progressively crazier and more insane as yeah. each level of Undermountain is revealed. Um, but it's not, it's not exhaustive maps of each one. They might go off on a tangent, and then you, the dungeon master, can fill in the blanks and be like, you know, oh. add some of your own creativity to what happens in those areas. Okay. Which I think is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That is cool. It is cool. So we'll be talking all more about all that fun stuff cool. uh, in the days to come. I am going to be at Origins Game Fair. Me too. This weekend, you'll probably hear this on on uh, uh, on Thursday, uh, but I will be traveling in the air that day. I will be there waiting. In Columbus, Ohio, a whole bunch of D&D team well, what, members will be there. What time do you get there? I think like 11 p.m. on Thursday. Oh, all yeah. right. Well, I'll drink alone that night. Yeah, it takes a long time to fly across the country, apparently. Uh, but uh, I'll be there yeah, on Friday and Saturday. Shelly's got some fun stuff uh, going on there. I do. Access and Allies and Zombies. You Ooh. can play it there for the first time. And we have a tank. We have a tank in what? our booth. You have a tank? Yeah. Like a real tank? Like a real tank. Like an authentic World War II tank that? out of somebody's personal collection. It comes with a security guard. Wait, okay. So I have a question. How are, is that going to get into the convention center? Not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't handle logistics. It's getting in there. We had to change our booth because uh, of getting the logistics for the tank. So really? we had to like move us to a place that the tank could get to easily. That's cool. Otherwise, it would be like mowing down other people's booths trying to get to us. <laughs> Shooting the guns off. Yes. So. Um, nice. Are there going to be zombies? No. No? Are you no. just doing that as a hint? Or no, are actually serious. not going to be zombies? There's really not. All right. Can I be a zombie? Yes, actually. Yes? I feel like I will be probably by Friday anyway. Sure. You'll have the, the eyes drooping. Yeah. I'll, be like, I'll be, have like forgotten to take my makeup off the night before. You'll, you'll be uh. so full from eating beans that they'll end up all over your face. <laughs> they don't have beans in Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have beans in Columbus. So I'm pretty sure I ate just fine when I was there last year. I love Columbus personally. Have yeah. you been there? No, but you said it was like a food mecca. It's actually, they have some really great places to eat. I mean, I've only been in the little downtown area, but it was like cute shops. Oh, cool. And nice. good restaurants. I've never been. Really nice people. I've been to northern Ohio, but never to, to Columbus. So I love it. Excited to check I'm, it out. I am looking forward to it. I'm going to see uh, hopefully a lot of fans there, but I know Axis of Anarchy, who uh, does a wonderful job moderating on our Twitch channel, we is going to be Axis there. That's her hometown, so what? I'm excited to see her. Yeah. Cool. It can be really exciting. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, I feel like I have to get out a couple more announcements before we get into our segment. What? Yeah? What? Did you know that we had a book called Morning Canyon's Tumble Foes? Heard that of came it. Out? It's a bestseller. Oh, my God. It hit number eight uh, on USA Today's bestseller list, and that includes fiction, nonfiction, oh my God. all books. All number books? Number eight. 
Number eight for the week. All books. All books in the world made by humans, except only in the U.S. That just cracks me up. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, and then at number one on, uh, <laughs> this is really funny, on Publishers Weekly and Wall Street Journal's nonfiction list. Nonfiction? <laughs> it's a nonfiction book. Morton Kanan's Tome of Foes. Uh, so thank you to everybody out there. Number who, one? Number one. Who's number two? Oh, I don't know. Poop. <laughs> <laughs> Boop. Boop. Uh, no, but I'm really excited about uh, that. We've been so heads down on getting the stream of many eyes and pumping wow, out our next amazing. books that it's just insane that Morning Cane and Somophos did, you know, just as well as uh, Xanathar's Guide to Everything did uh, last year. It's just it's insane how uh, well everybody is receiving uh, the Dungeons & Dragons books that we're putting out, though. So thank you to You're everyone awesome out there. fans. Uh, thank you to everyone who bought it at game stores. Uh, you are the Ooh, real champions. The alt cover. Yeah. Even with the, yeah. The, I mean, even, I, I didn't hear a lot of complaints from people about, uh, uh, about the alt cover uh, that we had going in there, too. So uh, if you do have a copy that you don't like about how uh, the cover was when you received it, Contact uh, Wizards Customer Service, and we'll do our very best to get it out to you in a new fangled way soon. <laughs> bum, bada, bum. Uh, if you're interested in finding out more about Waterdeep, Dragon Heist, and Dungeon of the Mad Mage than we gave out at the Stream of Many Eyes, go download Dragon Plus right now. Oh. The app issue that just came out, issue 20, uh, has tons of previews uh, for Dragon Heist and Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Interviews uh, from the Stream of Many Eyes are in there, as well as a preview of the Adventure Zone comic. Uh, yeah, they're coming out with a graphic novel. Here There Be Gerblins um, <laughs> is in there with an evi- uh, uh, official, first ever official playable Adventure Zone adv- uh, 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 module that was written by Grav- Griffin McElroy, the Dungeon Master there, which is pretty darn cool. Um, and there's also a great Jason Thompson comic in oh, that I issue. Oh, I love his stuff. Uh, all on Yugoloths. Oh, Yugoloth. Do you know what a Yugoloth is? Yep. That is convincing. I'm going to roll insight, though. Go ahead. I got a one. I believe that you know everything about Yugoloths. I do. You do. I, I'm the one who created them. <laughs> <laughs> roll insight. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it looks like you're good there, too. I sure did. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, and uh, if so, yeah, go download Dragon Plus, and you'll get all the information as well as tons of free content uh, from there. Art and Arcana is a wonderful book. It is coming out very soon. Uh, and by very soon, I mean October 23rd, 2018. <laughs> uh, it is an illustrated guide to all of the uh, history of the art of Dungeons & Dragons. They had a booth at so the Stream of Many too, Eyes. Right? Uh, all four of the authors there are fantastic people. Kyle Newman, Michael Whitware. Sam Whitwer, John Peterson, who has been a guest on yep. this here podcast. I was going to say many times, but I think he's only been on once. I think just once. we got to have him on again uh, as they get closer to when his book comes very, out. very, very interesting. Very learned. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, so that's awesome. Thank you guys for coming to the stream of many eyes. Uh, also, I want to give a shout out to uh, Beetle and Grimm. Uh, who yes. Is, uh, Beetle and Grimm's Pandemonium Warehouse. They are making a platinum edition for Waterdeep Dragon Heist. It is a huge box. It's got a very high price point, but it has everything you need in it to run uh, the Dungeons & Dragons campaign as a dungeon master, including props, maps, broken out, printed on, all the art printed out uh, in separate sheets so you don't have to like hide different parts of it while you're so showing people all the monsters. Good stuff there. The price point is, what, 500 Yes. But when you think about a D&D group, yeah. if everybody – like there's five people in the group, say. Like you guys – I mean like – a hundred dollars per right. person. Plus, you get miniatures to enhance. You get all your the miniatures. You get exactly. It's like leveling up. You get handouts not saying from maps. That, I'm not saying a hundred dollars is not a lot of money as well, but it's it's not five hundred. Yeah, if the and whole I think, group wanted to split it. 
The whole idea of like uh, you know collector's editions uh, for video games and stuff like that. I mean, this is basically the collector's edition of this. So I feel yeah, like it's super something cool. that's going to be uh, you know uh, memento level. It's of an stuff actually it would to. be a really nice gift for your dungeon oh, master. Oh, that is a really good idea. Because you know they do a lot of work for you. They do indeed. Maybe Worth it. Not. It's up for pre-orders right now. Um, they only made a thousand units, uh, right, so right. you got to get them uh, before they sell out. Go to beetleandgrims.com to find out more That's about a good that. Name too. They also came to the stream many eyes and were amazing. So I thank them. Uh, Neverwinter had an awesome booth. Neverwinter Travel Agency. Oh, I they love. They are going to uh, 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 what's it called? Uh, Ravenloft. They are going to Barovia. Oh, uh, the next, do they have good the deals future. on travel to Barovia? They have good deals. Yeah, you go through the mists. Only costs cool. only costs your soul. No problem there. Fine. Uh, they were uh, fantastic to have as partners, and they did a wonderful job. They're also dressing up. Did you see Thomas Foss? He was in yes. uh, a costume uh, as well, lead designer there, and uh, his spiel about uh, uh, Neverwinter and Waterdeep and the, the 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 competition that those two cities oh, have yeah. on the Forgotten Realms was was pretty fun. Yep. I like that there's a Neverwinter travel agency in Waterdeep. Exactly, right? Like, oh, go explore somewhere else. It was the only Love way it. to kind of make it work. Uh, the Roll20 uh, did a fantastic job. Uh, Soraya, Alex, and Dean dressed up. Their costumes were choice. They were so good. Uh, and their Roll20 scrollery looked amazing uh, on uh, the Scrollery? Scrollery. Oh. Like where you would buy scrolls and maps <laughs> and magic like, items. I don't remember the scrollery. The scullery where you, uh, where you make squirrels? pots. Yeah, you, yeah, you make squirrels. Have you never made a squirrel before? You can do it on the streets of Waterdeep. Somebody's making them because <laughs> yeah. I saw about 16 just on my way to the car. They're making them and they're, some, they're mechanical. They're not real. They're all androids. It's like Westworld all over again. Oh. Uh, but then finally, Idol Champions uh, had their talent agency there for uh, uh, the Waterdeep, uh, uh, having an, um, where you can recruit your own champions to fight for you. Uh, where they were fantastic. Eric Jordan from uh, Idol Champions and uh, Clive and Dylan uh, were also all in costume and did a fantastic job. And they, they had Holly Conrad and uh, er- PVP Scott. Scott. Scott, Scott Kurtz. Kurtz. Uh, I was going to say Eric Kurtz. So I was like, kind of looks like an Eric. Yeah, it kind of looks like an Eric. But no, no, Scott Kurtz was there uh, as Binwin, and he'll be joining Idol Champions very soon. He so it will. Was very cool to see. Yeah. That is awesome. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Did we kill Ryan? Is Ryan I think dead? no. Ryan's dead. Ryan's totally dead. <laughs> uh, we should transition into a segment because this is the longest because intro we ever. Ryan. I know. Uh, we may or may not have a new segment uh, for you. We've got some sick folks in the office. So Why don't we're not you just able... roll the dice and see? All right, let's roll the dice. Let's figure it out. Nope. Sorry. It's going to be a redo of a segment you may have heard before. Um, but if not, it might be a new one. We'll see if we oh, can we get a, a nice recording in here. But we're going to go transition to some bings and bongs right about. Welcome to Lore You Should Know. My name is Greg Tito, and I am joined by only one lore master today. Yep. Mr. Chris yep. Perkins. Yep, happy to be here. Matt Certain will not be here on this particular one. That's why we picked particularly. He's top- had enough of us. Yes, he was like, "I'm out." Yeah. Uh, but also uh, wanted to make sure we had stuff that you could talk about. Uh, so I can we talk about anything. You could talk about anything. Yep. And I'm going to throw Mordenkainen at you. Okay. He is a wizard from the world of Greyhawk. Uh, oh yes. One of the eight. In fact, the found he created the Circle of Eight. Is that he, right? Yes. He did. He also created the Citadel of Eight. Oh. 
So what's the difference, you ask? Well, yes. first of all, for those who don't know, Morden Kanan was Gary Gygax's wizard character. Um, did he, he played with it, or did he only use it as a dungeon master? So early on, early in the 70s, before the, before the game that we know released, mm. he ran a D&D campaign set in his world of Greyhawk for his friends, and he decided that he was going to take a break and give the DMing duties over to somebody else for a short time. And so he took his... He took a hand at playing a character, and the character created for himself was a first-level wizard named Morden Kanan. Oh. And that character pretty much carried him through his entire time at TSR until the time when he left. And uh, he left not only TSR but Morden Kanan behind and moved on to other things. But Morden Kanan has survived the ages. Uh, and I didn't o- know that. over the course of history, both real and imagined, has grown in power. From the lowly beginnings at first from his, level. From his lowly first level days, and anybody who's played first edition, like early edition D&D, knows how frail first edition characters are. So yeah. it's, it's really a matter of luck that he has survived until now, but maybe not all luck, because Gary Gygax, Gary Gygax can pretty much do what he wants. Um, but uh, yeah, so Morden Kanan was his character, and uh, he formed, or he became part of, an adventuring party. Uh, the leader of the adventuring party nominally that was called the Citadel of Eight and they went around doing all kinds of mischief getting into all kinds of trouble and getting treasure and magic items and all that kind of thing and those uh, that party uh, grew to include a wizard who became Morden Kanan's apprentice mm-hmm. named Bigby now was that also a character like a player uh, uh, a player character yeah okay. uh, Tensor another notable wizard joined that party and then they also had some uh, fighter types in um, Robolar and Irag, or Irag, and a couple clerics, which is always wise in first edition, named Certain and Rigby. Rigby. Not to be confused with Bigby. And played, then, played by the same person, <laughs> that's probably. Right. And then there was the <laughs> Ranger Otis, the, uh, the seldom spoken of Ranger Otis. Uh, and they were the Citadel of Eight. Oh, I didn't. oh, so they were the, the, the group was called the Citadel of Eight. That's right, because there were eight of them. And so what was the circle they were of tough. Eight? So after that campaign, I guess, ended, uh, a number of products were created in the D&D line that included Morden Kanan in them in one way, shape, or form. Probably the most notable one was an adventure from first edition called Morden Kanan's Fantastic Adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, which statted up Morden Kanan in the back of the book, and you could run him as a character through the adventure with some other people that you may or may not be aware of. Right. Um, those were not his official stats, by the way. Gary Gygax never shared the official stats for Morden I was just I was going to ask that. So that's other not people, like his character correct. she translated? No. He, they just made up no, stats? people had to make up stuff because he didn't mm. share his character with anyone. Why was that? Do you know? Because I guess he felt it, like it was a kind of a private thing. Oh, I guess that's true. Um, yeah, we get so, so public yes. with our character sheets, but you're right, there is a... So if you've yeah. seen Morden Kanan's stats in print, chances are they are not, in fact, the real Morden Kanan stats. Interesting. Yes. I like but, level of mystery. Right, exactly. Um, and so you could play him in some way, shape, or form. And it was in later products that this idea of the Circle of Eight came around, and it's not clear whether Gary had any hand in its creation. But uh, later things, I think it was like the From the Ashes box set or one of the later box sets for Greyhawk, basically positioned Morden Kanan as this super powerful mage who basically starts the Circle of Eight as a group of wizards, wizards only, yeah, um, to basically kind of be this 
star chamber, secret council, kind of working behind the scenes to control empires and keep the power where the power should be and to take it away from people who can't handle it and things like that. And that included some old members of the Citadel, like Tensor and uh, Bigby, and then some new wizards. So they didn't include, but they they didn't include the the, the fighter types and the, and the Otis no. in those lists. No. Okay. No. So they and, were all wizards. And some of them, some of the original uh, founding members of the group, uh, the Citadel, had died off by then. Like certain uh, creator of certain's spell immunity, the spell, uh, oh. he he perished in a battle called the Battle of Emerald Meadows, um, which was a great battle that the Citadel fought in and. Um, now, was that the, a, like a, a game session of Kayaks and his crew, or was that immortalized it, later in a, in a novel? So I, I, I believe it was actually part of the campaign and then was sort of name-dropped in Temple of Elemental Evil, ah, okay. the, the adventure that Gary wrote with uh, Rob Kuntz. Um, and uh, in that adventure, the mention of the, the rise of the temple uh, leading to adventurers and the forces of good converging on the temple to destroy it that battle played out in a place called Emerity Meadows. Oh, I see. Okay, that was a way to... Yep. Yes. Got it. Uh, the only time that Emerity Meadows has been really been explored in a, in a project was in issue 221 of Dungeon Magazine, uh, where there was an adventure called the Battle of Emerity Meadows where you could actually play it out. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and so but, once it morphed into being more of the circle of eight... By then, Morden Kanan was part of the d and and all kinds of people were using it. Uh, all kinds of designers were inserting him into adventures and things. And in fact, uh, he showed up in some very unusual places. Dragon Magazine had a series, a long-running series, written by Ed Greenwood, grandfather of the Forgotten Realms. The series was called The Wizards 3, where Elminster, Morden Kanan, and Dalimar from the Dragonlance setting would all meet in Ed Greenwood's kitchen in Canada, and trade stories and uh, banter back and forth, um, as wizards are wont to do. I love that as like a uh, meta thing that mm-hmm. encompasses both our real world and something right. you almost touched in in the most recent yeah. uh, Acquisition Incorporated uh, yes. uh, uh, show in which, yes. like, oh, they're here in, in... And we consider that, we consider those articles as weird and bizarre as they are to be kind of semi-canonical elements of the world, of the multiverse, this concept that you can get from the Forgotten Realms to Greyhawk to Canada, yeah, and that they can all coexist in the same material plane. So it's only Canada and the Pacific Northwest that, they, <laughs> that people can go to, right? That's, <laughs> Did you work on those? Were you an editor on those? Uh, uh, no, I was a, I was, I was just a young upstart freelancer when the Wizards Three articles were g- given birth. But having survived as long as I have, and I continue to work with Ed Greenwood, we have done things since. Like for instance, if you've read um, Ed Greenwood's uh, last novel, Death Masks. It takes place in Waterdeep, but uh, Morden Kanan appears in it. Oh. So that was me asking Ed if he would, you know, hearken back to the good old days, to those articles, and rekindle that sort of friendship. That's cool. Yeah. Just so, so people know that it still existed. Um, and then you also, uh, you know, did some of that with uh, some other recent adventures uh, with Incursive uh, uh, Strahd, for example. Yes. That's where, that's the, sort of the most recent place in our RPGs, where Morden Kanan has been, spoiler, where Morden Kanan has made an appearance. Hinted at. Anyway, yes. Well, right? no, he's, he's there. Okay. Uh, and he's named, and you can actually meet him, and he can walk around with you. In fact, when I was um, running Curse of Strahd in my live stream game, Dice Camera Action, Morden Kanan appears and helps the Waffle Crew out of a tight spot, and um, Sam Whitwer, who is a big D&D aficionado and fan, 
brilliant actor to got him to play the role, which is great. Footnote, he's a good actor. Which is great because um, uh, he knows the the history of D&D so well that he can kind of authenticate some things and he gave it like Gary's voice and... um, Oh no uh, way! He, yeah, I didn't realize yeah, that that yeah. he was he was mimicking Gary's yeah, voice. Yeah, he was he was homage an homage to Aww, Gary's voice. So. That is super cool. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, you know, people might have read if you know none of that history, you might have at least seen some of the spells that bear Mordenkainen's yes. name yes. in in D and D lore for for a long time, right? Yeah, and several of them have survived into the present edition. Uh, Mordenkainen's magnificent mansion is probably the favorite. Uh, which allows you to create an extra-dimensional mansion that you can hide out in that your enemies can't get at you right. inside of. It's not just a, yeah. a, 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 hole, a portable hole. It's no, an actual no. mansion. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's got all the, all the decor and everything else, so you feel very important all of a sudden. Now, what, I mean, we, we kind of glossed over this, but like what, what kind of a person was Morden Kanan? What, what was his personality? Um, I don't know his personality as portrayed by the Grand Master of D&D himself, Gary Gygax, but in print... Uh, he has been described as a dick, a bit of an ass. <laughs> um, and that's because the nature of Greyhawk and the types of heroes that typically come out of Greyhawk tend to be more kind of self-serving and self-interested and self-directed than a lot of other campaign settings. In Greyhawk, your, your job really is as an adventure to go out, kill monsters, and take their stuff. And taking stuff and becoming more powerful are kind of like the hallmarks of that setting. And uh, I believe his alignment is chaotic neutral, Ooh, that's... which means that um, he is, can be unpredictable and that his ethics don't fall in sort of the good or evil spectrum. Um, and so uh, in, in lately, we've sort of interpreted that as being that it's hard to sort of pierce whether or not he has a code or what ultimately drives what he does. And his drives may change from moment to moment. Um, but we speculate that one of the things that does interest him is the nature of how the cosmos works. And so he is fascinated with tinkering with that and inserting himself into cosmic events to see what happens. Mm. So in that way, he can be an agent of chaos. Um, He might send adventurers on a mission, for instance, without knowing exactly what the repercussions of that mission are, just to see what what the response is. and that's, you know, part of being brilliant uh, and part of having a lot of time, uh, an immortal life, basically. Um, he's, like all powerful wizards, he sustains himself through magic, longevity potions and the like. He's never gone the path of the lich. So that's, that's good. So, that's... so he's not all bad. <laughs> um, he's at least neutral. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I think, by and large, he's probably done more harm to the, or more good to the multiverse than harm. Um, maybe accidentally so, but... Uh, that's and, interesting. Yeah. All right. So, but but he is also just in his demeanor. He's right. kind of yeah. Uh, but uh, if he comes into town, he's not going to be suppressed by any of the laws of the town or anything like that. He's going to do what he his heart desires. And if somebody gets hurt, uh, he might feel bad about it for a while, but he's going to move on. Does he have any uh, like strong relationships? Does he have any people that he has known for a long time beyond the the circle of eight? Um, unclear. Uh, as far as I know, he's never had a family. Um, he's had apprentices, but only scarce few. Mm-hmm. I think there's one uh, mentioned in the early Wizards Three articles named Ralph Thaney or Ralph Thien, um, Big B. Um, yeah, so Big B was his apprentice. How did that work? So originally, uh, Big B was a character created by Rob Kuntz, one of um, Gary's gaming buddies. Oh, okay. And 
because Rob often took over Gary's DMing duties, the characters didn't always interact, but they kind of lived in the same universe. But apparently there was a session where they were both able to get together and they had a bit of a throwdown until um, Morton Kanan defeated Bigby, mm. forced him into service, and then eventually, I guess, a friendship emerged out of that somehow. Oh, okay. So they were, they were adversaries. They were kind adversarial, of and then that turned into a... Uh, Morton Kanan proved himself to be the more powerful wizard, and so Bigby kind of fell in line. I see. Yeah. That's interesting. And you might know Bigby from uh, uh, Bigby's Hand. Bigby's Hand, which in earlier editions was a multitude of spells. Yeah. Um, they were all separate spells, which we combined into one and fifth. Which makes sense. Yep. Easy. So Morton Kanan is still alive. He's still kicking, still traveling the multiverse. Would you say he's a, uh, what, you know, if people wanted to stat him up now, is he a 20th level wizard? Is he a 30th uh, yeah. level? He, like what, what? He, is, he is minimum 20th level. Yeah. Um, we don't really have epic level type things uh, after that. but uh, would, not, not in this edition, not yeah. yet. But um, he would be beyond yes. the, the normal scope. Yes. Uh, he would be, he would be uh, more than a, a challenge for a, our ancient red dragon um, or a Baylor demon. Interesting. Yeah. Now, does he also create uh, spells still? Is that part of his love? Presumably. Is, is, is yep. always experimenting Presumably. and creating new yep. things? There are other Morden Kanan's blank spells out there. Um, That's a fun way yep. to bring it into your campaign if you wanted to, yes. to, to create a spell and be possibly, like, oh, it's Morden Kanan's Possibly the most um, uh, horrendous spell in the game is his. Uh, it's, a, it's a spell that we haven't brought back to 5th edition, as far as I know yet, called Morden Kanan's Disjunction. Oh, I remember this. It's a very, very nasty spell. You cast it, and basically all magic items within a field are destroyed. Um, that yeah. seems like such a dungeon master thing to do, y- yes. Gary Gygax. So anybody who's ever who's, <laughs> who's aware of his gaming style knows that it's the, it's the, it's the penultimate or ultimate Gary Gygax spell. Um, yeah, you can't kill their characters just, fine. Take away their magic screw. items. It's and, a real screw to players, oh. yeah. That's rough. Yeah. Yeah. So. They, won't, they won't be resurrected, those magic right. items. So we have been hesitant to bring that bastard spell back into the game. <laughs> but, no. but it typifies, it, it's like emblematic of Morden Kanan as a personality. Yeah, that's true. I like my magic items. I don't like yours. Yeah. yeah. I'd much rather be on, on the yeah. one holding all the cards. Yes, exactly. That makes sense. Uh, so uh, what are some other ideas that people might use to, uh, uh, if, if you like this idea of, of there being this uber-powerful spellcaster like Morning Canyon can go from different yeah. worlds, how would, how would other people want to bring them to, to their campaigns or their home settings? Um, I think that he is best as an instigator, as somebody who can kind of get the characters on a course. He often appears in disguise when he's traveling abroad, so oh. as not to attract attention to himself. And does so he have like one disguise? Or does his like common mirror? disguise is that of a, basically like a... A, a poor merchant, mm. basically a, ba- a badly dressed kind of scuzzy man that you wouldn't, if you were to look at, he wouldn't stand out in a crowd. Uh, he wouldn't strike you as being a particularly interesting personality. Um, so uh, he moves incognito in, in ways. Whereas in real life, he's actually quite flamboyant. If you've seen any art of him in the past, he's, he's quite, um, there's a bearing to him uh, that's quite regal. He dresses flamboyantly. His mm. robes and such are quite over the top. And always neat, right? Like a yes. fast, fastidious. Yes. Um, yes. Um, his look has changed over editions, too. He went from having this sort of uh, tangled black hair and a Van Dyke beard shot with gray to basically losing his hair, going bald, and having a sort of more Ming the Merciless presence. Mm. Yeah. And that was more... Why did his uh, visit? Like, did he grow up? And he's like, I think I want to look more like Chris Perkins. Uh, I think I think that they're just kind of two 
there was a there was a sense some, somewhere along the line somebody just wanted to update his look, mm. and so he got a bit of a refresher. And I think the first time his his uh, bald pate was figured prominently was on the cover of a um, third edition book called uh, Expedition to the Ruins of Greyhawk. Mm. And since then, we've seen that look kind of become more prominent, and the 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 older, younger Morden Kanan's look. Has not appeared quite so often. I like. Uh, I don't know why, but my story headcanon is that uh, uh, he had a moment where he like he shaved everything off, and he, that's like, possible. And he like he is like chaotic neutral. Trans- yeah, yeah right? never know. Yeah, yeah. All right, it's like that's, yeah. that royal Tannenbaum scene. So I should point out, um, since it just occurred to me, that we do stat up Morden Kanan in Curse of Strahd, uh, but he's done in a way that is meant to not take up a ton of space, mm. and he's. I think he's basically like the equivalent of a of a lich in power. I see. Um, so he has been statted up in a form, but were I to actually create a character sheet for him, I'd probably go the whole nine yards. And it was mostly done just to make sure that hey, if you get into a fight, here's right. what you need. Exactly. To, we, to we, be gave, we gave a certain amount of information so the DM could run a character um, who was super powerful and all that. But right. uh, really, really, to do more than Kane and Justice, you have to. You have to build him up as a player character. Interesting. As yeah. he was always meant to be. I love that, that he went from, you know, the, the person who created this game's player character mm-hmm. into uh, being a part of, a big part of the lore. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, cool. Anything else uh, about Morden Kanan or his, or his friends or apprentices uh, before we um, sign off here? His name has been pronounced Morden Kanan and Morden Kynan. Uh, as far as I know, both are correct. All right. Which one does he prefer? <laughs> I would love to ask Gary to find out. Oh. Yeah. I think generally most people, I th- I'd say maybe 80% of the audience calls him Morton Kanan. Um, but if you do say Morton Kanan, okay. Yeah. He's, he's chaotic. He understands. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Awesome. Cool. Uh, where can people find uh, you to uh, ask you questions about uh, all of this? I am on Twitter at Chris Perkins DND. Awesome. Uh, you can follow me at Greg Tito, and that'll be it for this edition of Lore You Should Know. Uh, check back next week for some more uh, lore and or sage advice. Thanks, you guys. So that was a pretty good segment that you may or may not have heard before. I can't honestly remember. It felt new, but it also felt familiar. That's right. It's mm. basically like uh, uh, you know watching that episode that you might have fallen asleep during. Right. And you're like, oh, I kind or of maybe vaguely did I remember read a this? review of this. Was I dreaming this? Or maybe I'm psychic. It's. I think both. Yeah. You were in the future and in the past right. while also in the present. Oh, don't do that to me. <laughs> it happened. Oh, I can't handle that. It's like Schrodinger Shelley. Time travel. <laughs> We're very, very bad I? at time travel. Uh, but our guests are not. They are very good at being other people and in different places and different they times. They are very good at puzzling. We have Elisa, Elisa Teague uh, and Emmett Fury, and they are going to talk to us all about the No Stone Unturned ARG that was leading up to Stream Any Eyes. And I don't think Shelly even know what this even was know, all about. I didn't even know what was happening. It, it, That's how puzzly it is. It's exactly. Like so way over my head. Let's get to that interview now. Okay. We have two amazing guests on Woo. the video Skypes. Hello uh, to Elisa Teague. Hello. Hello. And Emmett Fury. Hi, everybody. Hello. You two have uh, some of the best names. You really do. For what you do. Uh, and uh, I, I just have to say that and get that out there because uh, I, I think every time I've said Emmett your name, people are like, oh, my God, that's not a real name. really a great name. I know. I'm as super you can jealous tell, of Emmett's name. As you should be. 
<laughs> I have like a, a deep set anger that could just come out at any moment. It's a very apt name and not not like an ironic name or anything. It's true. <laughs> That's you're your like, real name. Your superpower is your it flame. Is your flaming anger that will come out. I'm sure at some point. I'm at fury. Uh, but Love we're talking it. to you guys uh, because you did a ton of work leading up to Stream of Many Eyes uh, with the. No Stone Unturned ARG. We find, I mean, we kind of revealed it a little bit, but we can definitely reveal now Good. that you two were the masterminds behind that entire game. That is awesome. Good job, by so the way. So thank you. Yeah, number one. Yay. Thank you. Yay. Now tell me everything. Yeah, the right. people who weren't there. Uh, I, but there's a lot of people listening who don't actually even know what an ARG is or how the Snow Stone Unturned uh, began. So Emmett, why don't you... Uh, begin with a little bit about what what th- what this means. Okay, uh, I guess the way I've been defining alternate reality games is like it's a game where you get to play yourself in the real world as it kind of overlaps with the fictional world you're dealing with. So, in the case of this, we had some uh, sort of beloved D and D characters who either through magic or portals wound up on our Earth Twitter. And, uh, of course they went to Twitter. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so how should we start? Should I, should I do a little recap of, of what it was all about? Or uh, I mean, wanna... like I, I think a, like the, the, even this, the term ARG and alternate reality games, not many people may know exactly what that entails. So, so these characters that we had, uh, they uh, were on Earth. Uh, and uh, what that means is that there was posts on Twitter, things that were cryptic, didn't really understand what they were, um, and uh, the players in our real world uh, had to decipher clues and put stories together uh, and uh, hopefully unlock more and more content. And Lisa, you worked on all the puzzles uh, that the players had to solve. Right. I mean, not all alternate reality games have puzzles, but most of them, and the fun ones, in my opinion, do. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we started off the whole thing with a puzzle. Um, in the announcement for Stream of Many Eyes, there was a very simple Morse code uh, line on the bottom of the the teaser ad, and those who caught it knew where to go, and they knew to follow the hashtag of No Stone Unturned. And... Uh, when Emmett started with hit the Twitter account for our our main hero here on Earth, um, we started uh, unveiling small puzzles so that the solvers out there could figure out who this guy was. And I, Emmett, I don't know if you want to like reveal everything that that went with uh, putting forth our hero. Sure. Uh- uh, any of you who watch Stream of Many Eyes are probably familiar with the stone uh, you can see on screen right now next to uh, yes. Greg. It was the Stone of Galore, uh, a uh, artifact with three eyes on it. So that was sort of the MacGuffin of, of the ARG. Uh, the story was that uh, Elminster had sent it, along with a guardian, to Earth via a portal for safekeeping, knowing that one day it would need to be returned. Uh, and, you know, at the time, the, uh, the, the stone, the name of the stone was so secret that no one was allowed to use it. They were afraid that even just saying it aloud would sort of draw the attention of the people they were trying to hide it from. Uh, As well, what, that was an answer in, a, in some other puzzles uh, down the line. So we definitely didn't want that out there. Yes, that, that is absolutely <laughs> uh, the other reason <laughs> why, why no one would talk about it. Uh, <laughs> the, the stone, right. So 
to make the process of finding the stone even more difficult, uh, the, the Guardian agreed to have a spell cast on him to temporarily change his memories so that he wouldn't even accidentally give away his location. Uh, so for a while, this character was on Earth uh, and had memories of growing up on Earth as, as a person named Adam Glover and did not know that they were really from the Forgotten Realms and did not know that, uh, well, that they were, in fact, uh, Volo, beloved Volo. Uh, Surprise! Volo Thamp Gedarn, uh, who we have uh, used a bunch, uh, especially in uh, Volo's Guide to Monsters as the uh, person who writes all of the lore uh, about the monsters in that book, but one, I think we, when, when Chris Perkins and Matt Cerna and uh, Emmett and Elisa and I were talking about this storyline, when we figured out that that Volo, if he was trapped in our world, still wouldn't be able to resist writing reviews oh my gosh. for specific places that he had been, uh, as he is known to do in the Forgotten Realms, uh, using a specific, uh, uh, you know, five daggers if it's a dangerous place, uh, that type of, like, system. I, once we we found that, I think we were all just tickled pink, uh, as pink as Elisa's hair, uh, to, <laughs> <laughs> to want to, like, include that somehow. Right. Yeah, and so, we did. We actually Emmett wrote some awesome reviews uh, for uh, Yelp, and <laughs> one of the puzzles was to awesome. find uh, Adam's Yelp page, and then hidden in these reviews, well, we had two different sets of reviews. The first set of reviews were reviews for game stores, and hidden in the reviews were actual locations in Faerun. So um, once solvers got that uh, they were able to find passwords that they could give to each of those specific game stores and we actually had tons of people driving for hours and hours i i heard of people even flying out i don't know if that's true or not but i heard rumors of people getting on airplanes or wanting to get on airplanes to try i'm sorry i have a cat cat. no i was gonna say there's the cat we always there's almost always a cat that shows up during dragon Dragon talk Talk. i i do have four cats so maybe the others will make an appearance as well but anyway um yeah so they went and they went to the game store and gave the password and when they uh gave the right password, they received an awesome little key um, that Emmett had put glyphs, I'm sorry, yeah, glyphs of a secret, I don't know uh, what you guys are revealing about that language, Um, but I know that it has now been seen on t-shirts at the No Stone Unturned event. So, um, but those you can reveal, yeah, I think they were made for, 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 for you guys, for this game, so. Oh. Oh, I'm so honored. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we had little uh, words on the keys, and as each solver shared with the solving community those words, everybody could oh, no. and get an alphabet. And that was the first few days of this ARG, of everybody working together as a community solving this. Right. Um, Do you have one really- of those physical keys there uh, now, Emmett, so people could see what we're talking about? Uh, yeah, let me just grab it. Okay. Uh, so keep keep talking, Elise. I'll be right back. Okay, cool. I'll keep talking. I'll talk forever. Um, <laughs> Wait, so when did this start? Is this before the, the stream? It or started it when we announced the stream of many eyes so it, on it, May 1st. It started because there was that secret message in the, at which I totally missed. I knew that. You don't know Morse, Morse code, huh? I guess not. Yeah. Uh, but so people, but you didn't tell people like, 
you didn't give any hints that there was anything happening. That's the cool part about uh, uh, games like this is that you you almost knowing that it exists is part of the fun, and it and that's why it's called alternate reality games is because folks who are paying attention see things or see puzzles or see answers and things that they may not. And some there's a lot of red herrings, so they might not know. So now I have to like I feel like everything I look at now I just have to like look at differently because there could be a game in there. Could Welcome to our lives. Elisa or Emmett could have touched that. You never know. <laughs> That's if amazing. I've touched it, there's probably a puzzle in it, just yes. as a warning <laughs> to everybody. But yeah, no, it spread like wildfire, and there were several Discord groups, Reddit groups, uh, Facebook groups, all working towards solving uh, this ARG. One of them kind of grew to like started recruiting <laughs> and grew to enormous proportions um and that's the one that we refer to the most when we talk about the solvers we'll nickname them uh, they nickname themselves um hashtag team volo i have to give them a shout out in case they're watching they did great but and they, they, did they were one of the first ones that figured out or at least had the hunch that it was volo right we, I, I think they were rooting for it to be Volo, and so that's why they named themselves that. They caught on to it pretty early. Um, I think just because for fun they wanted it to be Volo, mm. they ended up being right. Um, but yeah, it was it was great because that community is so inclusive and welcoming, and they were really working together. Most of our first response answers came from that particular group. Um, but we had many other groups working on it as well. That's cool. Um, I've got, so I don't know, this is the key. Oh, okay. On the one side, it's got the uh, the ampersand, and the other side has Elminster's mark. Nice. Okay. And uh, by the way, for anybody who's listening, I know the characters have been pretty silent since the AOG ended, but uh, we talked about sending... Uh, prizes, and we are going to, and it would be those keys. So, for those of you who helped, who really helped solve stuff, we're compiling that list now to get those. We have a uh, secret get, list. We have a secret list. Ooh, cool. Yeah, and you'll get that physical key uh, as a reward, and it is a USB drive that can store up to eight gigabytes. No way. Right? It's eight gigs. Oh, eight no, it's not, it's, it's not eight gigs. It's it's uh, significantly less than that. Oh, okay. Uh, I think it's two gigs. But <laughs> two uh, gigs of of data, you can put a single photo that you take at the, nowadays on that. that. Is cool. <laughs> the selfie you take. But with it's your cool. <laughs> yeah, I have mine on my keychain just to you know it doesn't actually open anything, but <laughs> except our hearts. Mm-hmm. They were designed to hold one picture, and and so those keys were what was distributed at those game stores. But in addition to the game stores, we also had a huge list of influencers that participate in Dungeons and Dragons as their hobby, their love, their job, everything. And we sent out a ton of them that had another set of images on it for another puzzle that was happening later on in the ARG. And those trickled out naturally over the course of a couple of weeks, um, which gave myself and Emmett slight heart attacks because <laughs> well, <laughs> some of them came in like groups we had no control over it we we didn't even tell the people we sent them to what they were yeah. we just let them be a part of the experience themselves and if they got it and released it wonderful if they didn't we sent out you know doubles and triples of everything and they did all get released in the perfect amount of time so it actually worked out really great yeah, were so they different were, images? Or there were the different same? images for each one, and there was a letter from uh, Elminster that you wrote, right, Emmett? Yes, yes, yes. 
And yeah, I know, I know, I think a lot of the players thought that, the, that, you know, all the influencers were in on it. And for the most part, they were just receiving a package in the mail from Elminster with instructions and then, uh, you know, being able to do or not do as they would with that information. Uh, and they didn't know they were getting this? Nope. No. Oh my God. Yeah, but I think that really increased the amount of fun and engagement that yes. they had with it was because, I mean, I'm just thinking about Matt Mercer's uh, post about it where he was like, oh, my God, this is so cool that I got a letter from Elminster. And then he immediately shared it and posted it, you know, on a Thursday, which, of course, he gets lots of uh, uh, traffic on, on Thursdays before Critical Role. So it was it was a perfect storm of a whole bunch of things that uh, I think really worked out for people enjoying this. Yeah. Well, and the nice thing about doing it that way is that they really felt like they were a part of it, too. They had no idea what was going on. It was much more natural that way. And that's that's the way it should be. So they were part of the game. Yeah. Uh, so, so, Lisa, you've great. done you've done a, a couple of, of ARGs uh, uh, puzzles like this. And Emmett, you have, too. But can, yeah. Now, why don't you talk a little bit about your background, Elisa, of, of doing these with Wizards in the past and, and other other groups that you've done it with? Well, for Wizards, um, this is the first ARG I've done for Wizards. I did do, um, for the Magic the Gathering side of things, um, I did write with Gadley Wildling while I was working for um, Lone Shark Games. Mm -hmm. We did a series of escape rooms for the Grand Prix um, a couple years ago. And so what Gabby and I did was we wrote and designed three different escape rooms that ran all on one weekend, all at the same time on three continents. So wow. we had one in Australia, one in Italy, and one, well, in Chicago. In different and, languages, uh, too, right? Didn't it have to be yes. translated into 12 languages? We, 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 oh. kept, we kept the one in Italy, and that's the one I was on site for. We kept it as uh, language-free as possible. We actually tried to keep all of them as language-free as possible, but um, it was your basic escape room, and those were really fun. And um, I have written a couple other puzzly things um, for Dungeons and Dragons, some upcoming, some already released. I did um, the competitive epic at GaryCon this year, which was very puzzle heavy. And for those who got to play, um, I know there was a really great reaction. And I think that will be released sometime next year. Uh, through DMs Guild, um, but not after all of the conventions get their chance at it. So if you want to play it, go to one of your conventions where AL is running and they're running it, and you get to play it and figure out those puzzles. But my background um, with puzzles started when I was a little kid. I always was into solving puzzles and writing puzzles, and my dad was like big on cryptography, and he would teach me how to do all of it. And then uh, when I met Mike Selinker from Lone Shark Games. We did a lot of puzzle stuff together. I worked for them for a little while, and that's just never really gone away. I have worked on a lot of ARGs, most of which I am not allowed to talk about. <laughs> um, you guys are really cool about letting us come out from behind the curtain. Uh, usually I can't discuss what I work on, but big ones for big entertainment companies, um, and they're a lot of fun. Uh, they're always a pleasure for me to do. Nice. Uh, so uh, I'll get back to you in a second, Lisa, to ask about how this one differed. Uh, but yeah, Emmett, talk a little bit about uh, about your background and and uh, what you what you've done leading up to this. Uh, well, right now I'm working with uh, Niantic to sort of help develop a tabletop RPG for their property Ingress, and I've been going around to different uh, cities. Uh, I love Game Ingress. Master. Yeah, it's it's exciting, uh, and um, so that's fun. And then I've done yeah, I've done a lot of like. Varying degrees, a lot of it sort of indie web series type stuff, but things with alternate reality game components and things, especially with like 
interactive social media components. You know, a lot of this, this similar sort of like these characters on Twitter say in real time, like I worked on a, a project called The New Adventures of Peter and Wendy. It was a vlog style modern update of uh, Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. And so I played all those characters on Twitter in real time while the uh, episodes were being released. And, oh, cool. you know, so, so it was a lot of me talking to myself on Twitter, which I'm used to now, <laughs> and, 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 and talking to the fans. And on that project, for instance, we also, we also encouraged them to, like, make their own, uh, their own characters who lived in Neverland, Ohio, where the story was set, and Twitter accounts for those characters, and role play online as if they lived in the town with the characters. And so oh, I was kind of cool. seeing that as well. Like that. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and then, yeah, so it was interesting bringing uh, that sort of experience to this. Uh, and I know uh, in talking to Elisa early on, she mentioned that uh, that for ARGs that have puzzles, um, oftentimes there are points during it where if there are, there are interactive characters that they maybe shouldn't talk all the time. And uh, I'm sure Elisa can go into it, but you know, sort of my takeaway from that is, A, you know, everyone playing is sort of, pouring over everything these characters say. So you wouldn't want to accidentally lead people down a wrong path by having them look for a clue in something that wasn't meant to be a clue. And alternatively, uh, as they should, uh, the players were asking us, asking the characters questions constantly. And, and really just for the good of the game, we weren't in a position to respond to every question all the time. Yeah. So sort of setting up that expectation by having them respond to everything might not have been the perfect. Uh, but, <laughs> But uh, it, it was certainly an interesting, we had a great, like, uh, you know, one of the characters was Immortal Fortress, uh, who, who uh, tur turned out, not to, turned out not, not to be uh, who they were claiming to be. Uh, they were pretending to be a bard, uh, and uh, I therefore had them speaking in sort of rhyming iambic pentameter the whole time. So anytime oh. that that person had to respond to a tweet, it's like it was time to write a little sonnet. And anytime we had to deliver a clue, Elisa would have to tell me, you know, what the clue had to be about. And then I had to write a, a poem and then she'd have to be like, no, that's not quite right because of this. And then I'd have to iterate the poem. And it was a great, interesting iterative process. Right. It was, it's like it, it could, broke my heart every single day having to tell Emmett that this beautiful poem wasn't OK. Um, was <laughs> you just made a poem right there. He's so good at it. He, I mean, he, he can just whip these out like nobody's business. But... I was like, well, if you say it like this, they're going to think that, and that's not what we want them to think. Mm. And so cluing for puzzles is very tricky in the first place. You don't want to give too much away. You definitely don't want to steer them down the wrong path. And making everything not only rhyme, but also fit a specific uh, meter. meter is yeah. practically yeah. impossible, but he still did it. And I just felt uh, bad making him rewrite them a billion times. Uh, to be clear, was, Emmett, Emmett offered... He was like, I can do oh, this yeah. in MIM pentameter, should I? And I was like, yes, I, if you want I to. Did, I did it to myself. Yeah, and no worries. <laughs> that, was, that, that was the process. And, you know, I feel like a lot of the drafts of some of these little sonnets were like, you know, yeah, either giving too much away or just too obtuse to be uh, not clear at all. And finding, like I gather, yes, even, even when you're not adhering to some sort of strict rhyme and meter scheme, the, the the content of a clue is is a very delicate balance. So so it was an extra layer of of difficulty, but one that ultimately was sort of fulfilling for us and hopefully fun for everyone who who participated. Yeah. So how do you two have you worked together before, or how have you how did you two team up? Funny enough, we met for the first time on the first day of Stream of Many Eyes. What? Uh, we've In been person. talking. 
constantly, you know, yeah. almost basically on a sort of daily basis being like, here's my hourly schedule today. <laughs> here's where I'll be and when. So that what, what, you know, whatever one of us needs to do a thing, the other one knows where we were going to be. But we had not actually met in person until, until yeah, that, that Friday. Was this the first project you've worked on together? It, it is. Was. Wow. I'm glad it, I'm glad it worked out. Look, ARGs are a living, breathing game. And anything can happen at any time. So, yes, there were times where at 3 o'clock in the morning, we are sending messages to each other saying, oh, my God, this just happened. We need to be prepared for X, Y, Z. Um, because the solvers are just as part of a game, uh, part of the game as we are, if not more so. They are controlling everything. And so, yeah, we just needed to be in constant communication. We were, and we worked pretty well together for somebody who's never met each other before <laughs> yeah, yeah it was a great it was super fun and a great process uh some fun to do and fun to see people you know get those aha moments when they figured out the clues some of them they tore through in, in like literal seconds and some of them took them days which i guess is kind of what you'd want yeah. yeah i remember you guys you know uh describing it kind of like you're basically dungeon mastering a game that's happening on the internet where most people don't know it's actually happening, right? Like that's kind of what, that's what you exactly guys are doing. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I've heard this before, but, you know, in, in ARGs, basically the internet collectively has infinite time and knowledge. So uh, when you add up in aggregate everyone who might be playing a game, so uh, they are able to, especially now with things like uh, reverse Google image lookups and stuff, uh, I know we were talking during it that some it, it's harder to do certain kinds of clues than it used to be. Yeah, so I mean, when I first heard about ARGs, uh, it was uh, around the Halo 2 campaign. I Love Bees uh, is, might be the thing that most people kind of connect uh, with, with this kind of thing. But that was way back in 2004, if I, wow. I'm thinking, right? 2004, 2005 era, um, which was, if you think about it, I mean, that's pre-Facebook, that's pre-Twitter, it's pre-social media. Um, the ARGs then were very different. They were websites. They were things that, like, you needed to have, like, a little bit more of a, um, uh, almost a technical prowess to kind of discover that they were even existing, right? And so this one in 2018, you obviously used Twitter, you know, almost exclusively uh, for this, this type of thing. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how ARGs have changed and shifted over the years? Well, people are just much better at all things tech now. I mean, and now everybody has Photoshop installed on their computer. Everybody can pull apart, you know, voice recordings and, and look at sound waves. I mean, this is what people do. Um, we've got a, but most ARG, well, I won't say most, but many ARG solvers are in tech business hackers and, and the like, and they pull together really do have infinite knowledge and have the ability and resources nowadays versus back then to do anything. So yes, we do have to change our cluing. We actually went down to simpler routes uh, for this one, mostly because of that. Uh, we didn't want people spending their time picking apart everything and we tried to deliver clues or that or puzzles that you would find in a game. Mm. Uh, like in a tabletop game. I right. insert puzzles into all of my games that I do. And, I wonder why. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I wanted to do things that could show solvers that, yes, this is fun to do in an alternate reality game, but you can also take this type of feel to your table. That is cool. I like that. I, uh, I want to make sure we thank Satine as well, new uh, community manager over there, because she had an idea during it to sort of 
wrap in some of the uh, live stream player uh, GMs. I wish I had that list of them right now to thank all of them individually, but we thank you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, everyone, everyone was great. It, it allowed us to add that other information stream. We basically had these two characters of Kalash Maravaldi claiming to be the same person, and it led to a kind of tense ending where no one knew exactly who to trust. Uh, and so that the information stream for one of them kind of came through, uh, sort of magically possessing the GMs of, of those shows to deliver other clues that uh, towards the end of the AOG. Yeah, uh, yeah, awesome job, Satine Phoenix, for for activating that. Although I saw Elisa smile uh, when you mentioned that because that also led to a lot of like, oh no, we're not, you're not cluing it exactly the way we want to clue oh, this. No. They did no. They did a great job. It was I. I smiled when he said "last minute idea" because it was a last minute idea, um, <laughs> and it was a great one. But we were going to reveal that information differently. But it was such a cool way of doing it, and it did allow us to um, include another platform because at the time we were using Twitter, Yelp, and Instagram, um, but we had not been able to use all these awesome Twitch streams um, with all of this great content that. Quite frankly, a lot of the solvers um, that came from an ARG background and not Dungeons and Dragons background didn't even know existed. And mm. even those who are huge D&D fans may not have caught all of those different streams. And it did allow them to be exposed to all of the, this cool content that they didn't really know about. And um, I have now heard since, you know, through people interacting with me on Twitter that they are fans of these shows and they can't wait for the next episode. And that's really cool to hear that they discovered these great shows just because we decided to trickle clues through them. Yeah. So like, cool. what kind of clues? No, because I'm like, no, I'm like, how much did I miss? A lot. I missed a, a lot. lot. Were no. you giving out clues on Dragon Talk right in front of me? <laughs> <laughs> no, that would have been a great idea. <laughs> if I had, me. that would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have been. Okay. Yeah, actually, you were giving out clues, and you didn't well, even know Well, I didn't it. even know. <laughs> Why are you making me say this? Um, we did have eight original puzzles. We were only going to do eight original puzzles. I ended up, I'm a little only. overzealous. I ended up doing what I call 19 and a half um, puzzles mm. over the four weeks. And so the, the ones through, through Twitch were images, and they were other letters, glyph letters, um, that needed to be decoded in a slightly different way um, than the original. So everybody had to take their knowledge of previous puzzles and kind of flip them on their heads and uh, put it all together in one last big puzzle to to get Bolo home, basically. Um, so, and that's that's the cool thing about ARGs and and a meta puzzling in general is that you can have all these little puzzles that teach you how to do a thing. And then when mm. you put it all together at the end, you get uh, the revelation. Oh, that's so cool. That is super neat. And then you guys, uh, uh, you know, kind of introduced the idea of the Stone of Galore uh, right here through the ARG. Um, and uh, we actually ended up shooting a little bit of, of, of Volo's hands coming out of the, the, the yawning portal, uh, which was all your idea. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think Elisa mentioned that a lot of the players of the ARG were fairly certain that the stream of many eyes was going to be all about Volo because he was the, the sort of the lead of this event, which turned out not to be the case at all. But I think that's also very cool. Uh, we definitely wanted there to be some sort of handoff visually between the ARG and uh, and and the stream of many eyes. Uh, and so that was, uh, I was glad you guys were able to, to throw, put that in there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and so you can yeah. see that at the, I think it's at, actually, I haven't actually seen the shot 
yet. Uh, is it is that at the top of Saturdays? It, it's at the very top of Saturday, right before everything starts. Yeah, so you might not even have known that you were seeing the culmination of the ARG happen as you watched it. Oh, that's very but once, true. But once they realized that what the, that the stone of Golor was the stone that was being talked about constantly during the ARG, uh, the people watching the streams were very excited, I think, uh, in finally putting that together. Yeah, yeah. And then well, what they I, did get... Oh, I'm sorry. No, They did get um, a possibility at the end of the ARG our players got to decide who Volo should trust, uh, which Kalesh uh, he should trust, which spell he should, uh, which portal he should uh, use in order to get home. Um, and then we introduced the third option of don't trust either of them. Uh, you could just go to Waterdeep and, and keep the stone for yourself until you are sure of what to do with it. And that is ultimately what everybody voted. Oh, really? So, so maybe that wasn't the right thing to vote because if you if you watch what happens with the stone, maybe that wasn't what Volo should have done, but that is what happened. So we shot that ending really quick, um, literally the day that it was airing. And um, that's what you guys did. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. I mean, I suppose uh, I suppose it's better than having Volo delivered straight to Halister. So uh, there's that. You know, that, that's, that being one of the options. Uh, that was. Yeah. We actually, uh, I, I, we can totally reveal this now, but there was at one point we were going to have a scene kind of play out at the beginning of uh, the June 2nd programming with someone dressed as Volo uh, uh, being accosted and or mugged and, <gasps> and having the Stone of Galore uh, taken from him that way. Uh, but it was we, there, there were so many moving parts with that show. We were like, ah, oh, I don't, I don't know if that'll be exactly the payoff we want, and and and, and no. all, all of the things that all were happening. The, they've, they've worked so hard to help him, and then to watch no, him well, get mugged. No, the stone was stolen. It definitely was stolen. He just wasn't. It wasn't stolen in the same way that we had originally planned. Right. And um, I like that you guys kept it fought for that port. one shot because I think that was honestly ended up being the best kind of lead in because it didn't. It, I, I think it might have pulled focus too much if there was a whole scene about it, but just having like a shot or two uh, uh, kind of get that idea across that the stone is now lost and then, then the all of the uh, sessions that we're playing on Saturday on June 2nd had to now try to find that stone again. Uh, I, I think that worked out really well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's we what also they had the, the very fun element of, uh, of the players sort of shipping Volo with Kalesh that uh, we certainly didn't plan. Uh, but that, but you know, that was certainly before they realized that maybe Kalish isn't who Kalish. It was sort of like Hallister was sort of interdimensionally catfishing Volo. Solvers <laughs> 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 giving Volo love advice on Twitter oh. in depth. It was pretty entertaining. <laughs> that is really entertaining. As you guys, the dungeon masters, being like, if you only knew. <laughs> Wait until we dash all your hopes. <laughs> yeah, we broke their hearts. You, you, you don't, you don't ship with at least some risk. Uh, in your heart, right? So very true. Yeah. And somehow Greg Tito ended up with the stone. Hmm. It's true. That's right. I have the stone now. It Interesting. is. It is the one one uh, souvenir I decided. Other than this chocolate that is also here. <laughs> Not for long. Not for long, because Shelly's going to eat it all. Well, you earned it, Greg. Thank <laughs> you for helping us throughout this whole process. It's been awesome. No problem. Thank you for 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 taking the crazy idea and making it making it reality. And I think what uh, I love about this. Uh, whole game mechanic and, and, and the ARG in general was that it fit directly in with all of the 
fun of uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Yeah. There's going to be these puzzles. You're going to have to solve them. You're going to have to uh, uh, find your way to outsmart your opponents, not necessarily overpower them. Um, I think we're we're tenets of what the the Dragon High story is going to be about, and you guys were were telling our fans about that before anyone else even was able to. So thank you for that. It was great to be a part of it. And I'm glad mm-hmm. that all those puzzles, 19 and a half of them, were made, Elisa. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, Elisa certainly went above and beyond, uh, and was amazing to work with. Uh, it, it, you know, and it was a it was a fun sort of creative process too. Just it going like back it. and forth. Yeah, I mean, Likewise, it was really it was really a pleasure to work with everybody on the team. Mm-hmm. How many how many really story uh, meetings did we have with like Perkins and Cernet and, and everyone just talking through? And we must have gone through probably like ten different iterations of what this story was going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and some and of it, as we discussed, was happening uh, as we went in a way, just yeah. because that's the nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. Again, anything can change at any time during one of these. Uh, one solver can change the course of a whole thing. I mean, we definitely had our plot points, but it's just like it's just like a regular game at your table. Your DM has to kind of you know roll with the punches. So did that yeah. happen during this? Were you were there times when you're like, oh no no no, gotta go, gotta change it to Plan B. We're going off the rails here. A few times, not not really off the rails, but we definitely had to change the order of a, of certain things. Um, we had a group of very aggressive solvers that were trying to brute force some things that they really couldn't, um, but they did stumble upon an answer early, so I kind of switched things around. But on the whole, um, it pretty much worked out the way we wanted it to. Um, I, I don't want to ever railroad um, a storyline in any way, but we definitely had some place where we had to get to, and we got there, and um, everybody had a, really, a lot of fun getting there. Yeah, there's a delicate balance on these type of things. Back to the, uh, to what Greg mentioned, the I Love Bees Halo ARG. Uh, a brief anecdote I'd heard about that was that like, that was all around uh, this artificial intelligence from the Halo future that was hidden on like a like a GeoCities style beekeeper website in the present. And uh, at one point, one of the players, uh, the the deal was like there were payphones be ringing all over all over the world, and people had to go and answer these phones. And sometimes there'd be an actor playing a character in the ARG on the other end, and they talk. And at one point, someone was sort of like browbeating one of the players, saying like, "Where is this AI?" And that player was like, "Oh, it's on this website." And then the guys running were like, "Oh my god!" He, he just right away gave away where our character is hiding, and <laughs> it's, it's like you, you can't, you know. Part of this is in the crapping. It's tough. Like. If you ask them a question and there's an answer that you don't want, <laughs> that's that's part of the trick is sort of like posing the situations in a way that like hopefully there's not an outcome that's going to make you change the entire story or or write a whole aside. Which is that said though, yeah, we did certainly like send a couple of like course correction like hints when when we sort of sort of see on Twitter that maybe they were going down a wrong road. Uh, you know, but that's got to be what makes it fun for you guys too. Is that it's not a static, you know, uh, uh, one way of information. You guys are, are are playing back and forth. That's why I like the idea of that you guys are dungeon mastering this game. Is because you ha- there's a give and take. You can't you can't just have it be one way. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and to a degree, like there wasn't a ton of being able to pre-script the tweets, even the sonnets, so some of it, uh, but just because it's because it's so evolving and because, uh, in a way, a lot of them will be responses to each other or to the players. So, you know, we just sort of have the tent poles as we know we're going to hit 
uh, at some point. Yeah. But uh, you go through that and see how it goes. So do you think uh, 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 it's, you know, gratifying to be able to talk about it as much as you have been able to? Like, is it nice that it's like, okay, this is done and you can wrap it up and, and, and talk about it? I do. Uh, I love being able to talk about it because I don't get the opportunity very often. So it's it's nice to be able to share this type of craft because a lot of people don't even know that it exists. Um, and in in the perfect puzzle world, it's better that people don't really know that it exists mm. because it, it's all about the discovery. But um, it's nice to be able to like come out and be able to talk about what I do because I love it. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's it's very cool, and it's yeah. I think the whole early on, the earliest ARGs, I think it was called "This is not a game." That was the way they were like. That was sort of their mantra for like, this is a thing that's happening in the real world, and uh, but being able to step behind the curtain is nice, you know. Uh, talk to people as me and and not as fictional characters. I feel like I've I definitely have more than like a hundred different Twitter accounts for fictional characters, and I'm probably <laughs> that you're in control of right now. That could you could spoon up a new one at any moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I, I probably have oh tweeted more as a fictional character than myself. And on, oddly, <laughs> it's it's more uh, it's easier. <laughs> I have a funny anecdote. I have a fake Twitter account for a character I did. Actually, this is one I can talk about. I ran a um, it wasn't a, an ARG, but it was a. A seven day long escape room on a cruise ship for the Joko cruise. Oh, right. Um, two years ago. And uh, we had fictional characters setting everything up. And one of the characters was um, a cryptozoologist named Dr. Monica Brunelli. And she knew everything about like Bigfoot and chupacabras and everything else. And so my Twitter account, in order to prepare for the cruise, so nobody would think it was anybody but a regular passenger on the on the cruise for months i was collecting friends on twitter all that were in that world like people who really think bigfoot exists and huh. and everything like that and so i still have that twitter account and everyone's going to log in and there's the most interesting stuff on there that she follows and they follow her back because they think she's like the real world thinks she's writing some big book on um, finding cryptids across the across North America. But it's just one of those things where I have that in my back pocket, but it's really funny to just go and visit this fictional character every once in a while. They probably think she's dead if she hasn't tweeted in two she years. She hasn't tweeted in a, in a long time. think Bigfoot got her. <laughs> oh my gosh, is she okay? Monica, Monica may have to like But see, that's up. great because you almost have this embedded <laughs> character that you can use again. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I guess so. I just yeah, gave it away, awesome. I guess. <laughs> yeah, but they'd have to the, listen to this podcast and know you and know it. And you, you actually did say the name, didn't you? You did, did say the name. She Dang did. It. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a fascinating kind of a storytelling opportunity because I mentioned that Peter and Wendy project. And uh, a lot of those uh, players had been fans of a spinoff of the Lizzie Bennett Diaries, which is another web series uh, based on Jane Austen novels. And one of them had the same sort of uh, component of people creating characters on Twitter for, who lived in that world, like mm-hmm. and role playing them online, and like some of them, the one they, so they came over from say Welcome to Sanditon, and they made these characters for that show, and then that show ended, and then we started Peter and Wendy, and they took that character and put in their bio, I used to live in Sanditon, but I just moved to Neverland. Like they took a, a Twitter character they made for a totally unrelated yeah. web series, 
and sort of move them into our fandom. And they could now that Peter and Wendy is over, they could totally take those characters and move them into another unrelated fandom. And it's and I hope they do. It's fascinating. It really is because then I mean it, it, this gets into the whole ideas behind like Ready Player One and 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 all this of like you know wh- where is your real self? Is your real self us talking? Is it online? Is you know? And it's it's really fascinating to me. Uh, so um, one thing I want to make sure we talk about was, you brought this up, Elisa, is like how game masters or dungeon masters can use this in their in their tabletop games. Yes. Use, first of all, use puzzles, which I think are are underutilized. In a well, uh, in, in in games in general, but also, I mean, some elements like this uh, uh, of an ARG would be really fascinating to bring into uh, a tabletop game. Oh, I certainly think so. Um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about that on a panel. I'm going to be on a panel with Rudy actually at Gen Con, uh, where we talk about different. Rudy Rutenberg of, of Maze Arcana fame. The very one. Um, and yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, different game mechanics you can bring into your game, and so I'll be talking a little bit about how to how to do that with puzzles. And uh, everybody can just stay tuned for things coming from me next, and you can learn a little bit more. Oh, oh man! Yeah, damn it! I want I wanted course. to talk a little bit more about it. Well, and I and this is still early development anyway, but like. Uh, I mentioned Ingress, uh, that has a big ARG element to it, it has the entire time, and it's got the sort of mobile app game, because that predated Pokemon Go, but used sort of the same network. So I imagine as I continue to do work for them, yeah. uh, incorporating ARGs with the RPG that we're building for them yeah. in a cool way might emerge. So keep that an eye out for really that cool. too. Yeah, I loved, I loved Ingress before Pokemon Go came out, and then I was like, oh man, it's basically the same game. I want to just go back to Ingress. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no. I mean, I'd I'd love for for folks to be able. Now I feel like when I Dungeon Master next, I'm going to create a fake Twitter account. It's not easy for I mean, my I characters. Feel like this is and, like a very special skill set. It is, but that you is. could use elements. I mean, that's the whole thing. You could be inspired uh, uh, by, by yeah. what you guys. Have oh, done. I'm inspired. I just don't think I could. Well, guess what? We're here whenever you guys need us. That's (laughs) That's why we have you. Spoken like true freelancers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We loved it, and we're certainly happy to do it again if uh, the need arises. Awesome. All right, well, how can folks uh, get in in touch with you, ask you more questions about No Stone, No Turned? Uh, Emmett, where's the best place for people to, to focus all their efforts on your fake characters? Uh, <laughs> Twitter, Twitter is good. You can find the real me, and I, I'm on there more now that I'm I have a little breather. Uh, that's not an iambic pentameter. How do we know? How do we know that's you? Well, that's that's I'm a tricky question. <laughs> one of your characters. Uh, Sorry, we interrupted you as yeah. you were saying it. Go ahead. No, no, it's all good. It's at Emmett Fury. Uh, that's E M M E T T F U R E Y. You are very not angry for someone with that name. Not yet. No, I know. Yeah, it's. I don't have any Howling Commandos, uh, and I'm not an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., but, <laughs> you know, I don't want to limit myself, so That's we'll true. see what happens. Not yet, anyway. Uh, and, Elisa, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Geeky Pinup. It's the worst Twitter name in the world. I apologize. It's not. Yeah, I think it's really cute. It's too late. I, I discovered <laughs> a, long, uh, a while ago it was um, too late for me to change it, but it is who I am. I am geeky. I dress vintage. Uh, people put the two together. It's all right. Geeky. G-E-E-K-Y-P-I-N-U-P. Nice. So we have to follow you. I already do. But uh, everyone has to follow you to find out about something I think you were teasing. That you wouldn't tell um, us more information about. I would love to talk about it as soon as... Is it something for you? I am allowed to talk about it. Oh. Does everyone know what it is but me? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody in this room except for Ryan knows about this. <laughs> 
Dawson, do you know too? Dawson does too. I, t- I clued him in as soon as he got here. I was like, you can't tell Shelly. You have these secrets. Uh, so thank you guys again. I loved how you integrated all of the, the fun puzzles of, uh, of Waterdeep Dragon Heist into the real world. Uh, great work with No Stone Unturned. Uh, and uh, yeah, thanks for all of the solvers out there who paid attention yeah. and did all of those great puzzles and made Elisa work harder. And mm-hmm. at least I can sleep now. Yeah, exactly. You're like, woo, good to go. I know, that must be such a relief. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. The Stone of Galore will show up somewhere else, I'm very sure. So uh, look out for that. Perhaps Thank at Origins. So oh. That's right. Are you guys going to be at, uh, Elisa, you're going to be at Origins, correct? I am not going to be at Origins because I am prepping to uh, be a celeb DM for D&D in a castle in France. That's the one you're going to. Wow. You're going to the castle, and, I feel. Yeah, so I'll be, I'll be dungeon mastering for four days straight uh, in a, a cool experience from Regency Encounters. They're doing D&D in a castle. And so I'm missing out on Origins, but I will be at Gen Con. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll see you at one of those and uh, pick your brain about all the things you've been teasing, I'm sure. Uh, Emmett, we uh, will we'll see each other again very soon. I loved your costume, uh, uh, as well as Elisa's many costumes uh, at the, the Stream of Many Eyes. You guys rocked the house. Yeah, that's uh, Lauren Matezik, uh, who we can credit for that one. That was a lot. That was awesome. And she was awesome. Good stuff. All right, guys. Well, thank you again thank for calling you. in. Thank you for uh, uh, giving us all the clues uh, that we needed at the right moments. <laughs> thank you, guys. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Okay. Goodbye. I really like uh, 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 the creativity that Emmett and Elisa brought to that energy. Right? I feel like like that's not the right word. Creativity? It's. I mean, it was certainly creative, but I feel like it's like genius creativity. Oh, lightning bolts. I mean, just the way that their minds work, it's just – and also to be dedicated enough to wake up at 3 in the morning and – Work. Oh, dude, I was getting, I mean, I didn't, I didn't mention this in the interview, but I was getting, like, text messages and emails from Elisa all hours of the night being like, oh, my God, this is not going to happen. This is, <gasps> she was very much concerned about making sure that the uh, the solvers, as she, she, she referred to them, weren't uh, misled or taken advantage of in any way. Like, it was almost like this was like this mothering oh. type of relationship, which was awesome because she was oh. like, oh, I want to make sure that they're not... They're you know, like they're an audience that is captive, and we want to make sure that they feel like they are That's really being nice. given the right way, right? So she was she she went above and beyond to make sure they had more content. Uh, she was originally only like she said only supposed to do eight puzzles. She ended that up was doing true. Nineteen, yeah, and a half, yeah, only because she there was like more content there for them to to, to consume as she they were getting was excited. Clearly about inspired, it. exactly. So good stuff. Uh, I, I I gave them tons of praise in the interview, but I'll say it again: they did good work. Yes. Yeah, good Emmett work. and Elisa. You get three drinks uh, from the Yawning Portal in perpetuity. Wow. I can do that because I can just – it doesn't exist. So I can just be like, yeah, no, that's – What got. do you mean it doesn't exist? <laughs> I did. At the Stream of Many Eyes, the Yawning totally Portal exists. was there. Yes. So was Durin. Durnan. Durden. What's his name? Durnan. 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 That was also another costume that I loved. Yes. Wasn't Ru- that was Rudy Runeberg. You know that, right? That took me a while, too, to figure out. His chops uh, were deceiving. Yeah. He had very deceiving chops. And he had the pose down. Oh, so good. I know. I love that shot where he was basically the Tales from the Yawning Portal yes. cover. And someone photoshopped him into yeah. it. Yeah, that was good. Uh, I want to give a shout to uh, uh, Tyler, the photographer. Oh, yeah. He did all of those shots. They Beautiful. Amazing. Really Beautiful. good. Yeah. Tyler Curtis. Go follow him on Twitter. He's at Tyliner. Uh, he'll maybe be posting some more, but he is a good photographer. Four reels. Four reels. Yeah. Uh, I had so much fun at the stream, Many Eyes. Uh, I hope everyone else did too and that you got a little bit of insight from Elisa and Emmett about the ARG leading up to it. 
Uh, as I said, we'll probably talk to uh, Ivan Van Norman uh, in yes. the coming weeks to find out more about the off-the-table sessions and all what those are all about. Uh, but if you want to find out more about Stream of Many Eyes, go watch all the archives. It is on YouTube and or twitch.tv slash dnd. All of the videos are up there now. Uh, you can watch all the amazing content because there was tons of great adventures, including Deborah Ann Wall's Dungeon Master. Oh, I heard that was awesome. Yeah. Erin, uh, my wife, is you know by no means a super fan of Dungeons & Dragons, but she was enthralled uh, by what Deborah Ann Wall put together for that game. Uh, she basically didn't realize that Dungeons & Dragons could tell such a complete story <gasps> in two hours' time like that. And Seriously? It was, it was this great. could like, be life-changing. Took her breath away. She's, she's getting indoctrinated as we speak. It's it's kind of awesome. Do you think she wants to play? She's she's in. She's in it like Flynn. She what? yeah. I know, right? Complete change. All right, that's And it was all thing. due to the transforma- transformative effects of the stream of many eyes. All right. Uh, it's good stuff. So maybe you'll have that effect uh, if you start watching some of that content. Spread the word uh, about uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist coming out in September and uh, Waterdeep Dungeon of the Bad Mage in November. I'll have more exact uh, <laughs> uh, release dates in my head uh, very soon, but uh, I don't want to get awesome. anything wrong right now. Uh, all right. And then if you want any more information on Axis and Allies and Zombies, go to Origins yeah. and or follow uh, what? Follow Axis and Allies. And Twitter, Avalon Hill. No, not don't follow Access and Allies. Follow Avalon Hill. Avalon Hill two. At Avalon Hill two. And two. where where are you? And me, at Shelley Moo. See, I was gonna rhyme, so I was like trying to say Avalon Hill Avalon two. Hill Shelley two. Moo. I can be like Emmett, and I can speak in poems. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that's a poet. Not poems. He did an iambic pentameter. It. That's like that's hard. It's like rhyming couplets. Sure, I could do that. But, oh, don't downplay. But iambic pentameter is like very difficult to do. That's, Shakespeare. That's uh, that was your nickname in uh, in college, wasn't it? Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shakespeare. Crack and it open. Oh. In my face. Uh, <laughs> super annoying. Super after annoying a while. after a while. Not a fun. Not a fun bar- party. <laughs> and a waste mate. of a good beer. It's true. This should go in the mouth, not right. so much on the. No. Everywhere else. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to stop and say that you can follow me for all these hot, fun uh, foot and mouth situations on Twitter. I'm at Greg Tito. Uh, and if you want to find out anything about Dungeons and Dragons, you should go to at Wizards underscore D&D on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook or like us on Facebook. Uh, also on Instagram, Dungeons and Dragons is going to start posting away more thanks to the amazing Satine Phoenix. Uh, so follow us there. Also, Wizards underscore D&D. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can follow me. I'm at Greg Tito. That's it. Okay. Anything else? Nope. Go to DungeonsDragons.com to find out more about Dragon Heist. Okay. Ready? Oh, my God. Oh! Rocks fall and you're all dead. <laughs>